When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode number 60 uh, tonight. Uh, my name is Jack and I'm joined with Kendall this evening as we're going to talk about uh, some football and we're going to touch on some basketball as well because we're in that special time of year where our sports are starting to intersect. Um, we're going to touch a little bit on the Iowa State victory. Uh, then we're going to move into uh, previewing Oklahoma and then we're going to get to the first two games that have gone down in Maui. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, a couple days before Thanksgiving. So we just witnessed uh, Tech throttle Louisville in Maui. Um, without further interruption, I guess we'll get to it. Uh, Texas Tech won this past weekend 14-10 to over Iowa State in Ames. Um uh, with that, the Red Raiders become bolt eligible for the second straight season. Um, and for the second straight season, they did it against Iowa State. Um, no 62-yard bombs from Jonathan Garibay needed in this one, uh, although it did, would have made for a better story, I think. Um, Tyler Shuck finished 15 of 21 for 141 yards and an inter- or, I'm sorry, in a touchdown. Um Taj Brooks led the way in rushing nine carries, 45 yards, average of five yards a carry. Sroderick Thompson also carried the ball seven times for 35 yards, five yards per carry as well. Um, After all said and done, uh, after sacks and whatnot, Shuck is uh, credited with running the ball 14 times for a total of 33 yards. Um, Leading the way, catching the ball, Miles Price, three catches, 42 yards. Nehemiah Martinez, three catches, 33. Uh, Jaron Bradley, four for 26. Xavier White, two for 26. Uh, Baylor Cup had one catch for four yards, but the all-important game-winning touchdown with about uh, four minutes or so left. Um, Tech had one fumble and... Iowa State also had a inter or I said I don't actually know if they had any um, turnovers. I don't think they did. So um, let's dive into it. Um, we're gonna talk right now, and just to go ahead and get this out of the way, uh, we're not really gonna touch on the play calling. I, I think everyone kind of knows um, how. People of Eva feel about the play calling, so we're just not going to talk about that. Um, we are going to talk about um, the positives taken from this game. Um, 
But I'm also going to harp on us still not using the tight ends enough uh, because it's me, and so I have to do that. Um, Also, uh, we're going to talk about the defense. Uh, Kendall, let's just hop right into it. You were there in Ames, and uh, from a direct quote, I want to say, it was butt-ass cold. Would you say that's correct? Uh, Yes, it was. I mean, by the time I stepped out of our truck, I couldn't feel my feet. So... If that's how I felt, just imagine those players and how cold it was for them out there. But one thing that I really have wanted to... I never tweeted this out because I wanted to save it for the pod. But I was at the game in Ames in 2016 with Patrick Mahomes. Everyone probably knows the game I'm talking about. The game where we let essentially a linebacker um, beat us 66-10. to And that game was freezing cold. That game was, you know, a late November game in Ames uh, where Tech was looking to try to get bowl eligible. And it really dawned on me when I was at this game how different this program is now compared to back when that was when Cliff was coach. And one thing that I noticed, so back in 2016 when I was there, I just felt like the sideline for Tech, they were dead, not into it, you know, not fired up. That was not the case. If any, you could see it on TV, but the Tech sideline was so hyped for this game. They were, you know, energetic. They were the craziest people in the stadium, in a stadium that is full of insane Iowa State fans they were probably the craziest people down on that sideline and that was the major difference in you know people always talk about culture in college sports specifically the culture of a program the culture was so obvious in this game because you know go go look around all these national media outlets that were you know previewing this game and go look at how many people actually gave Tech a chance to win this game because of how cold it was. You know, everyone was talking about the weather, how Tech wasn't going to be able to throw the ball, they weren't going to be able to move the ball. Um, a lot of people, you know, talked about how it's Ames in November, which, you know, shout out to Doe. He said a very, he tweeted out something right after the game that was very true. You never apologize for a win in Ames in November, which is true, especially at night. But I just want to kind of touch on the fact that this team in a short amount of time under Coach McGuire is already so much in a better state than it has been under any of our head coaches back to Leach that I think it definitely needs to be kind of just preached upon that He's already doing great things, and he doesn't even have all of his guys in here yet. So um, I just kind of want to touch on that. But also just in general, um, was there obviously a lot of things that could have went better in this game for Tech? Absolutely. But you have to talk about the defense. Those goal line stands, I can't remember the last time a Tech team did that. Not just once but twice on back-to-back drives in the same game. 
where, I mean, you look at this box score, Tech should have been dead in the water. They allowed almost, I think it was over 400 total yards, um, which part of that can be, you know, contributed to Iowa State's awful play calling. But also, I mean, this team didn't quit. They could have very easily backed down and just gave up because, you know, how many times their backs were against the wall. But they just dug their feet in and competed and got ended up with the W. And I think that's kind of just the thing I'm taking away from this entire game. It's interesting that you bring up the people that um, that kind of discounted Tech in this one. Uh, I will hand up say I was one of those people. I did not like our chances. I felt that this had all the aspects of a trap game. Um, I'm probably still scarred from that game that you were at in Ames with Patrick Mahomes uh, late November trying to get bowl eligible. Um, I'm also probably still scarred from the past couple of coaches and the lack of culture. Again, I don't want to badmouth any of the previous coaches that were here um, but because they're great people off the field. Um, but yeah, you can, you could definitely tell, right? Like you can feel, you can, you can just see there are games being won that in the past we wouldn't have been within 21 points of, right? Like we've said that a couple times this season on this podcast already about certain games. I, I think the most, uh, the most noticeable one's probably Texas, um, I also think that uh, even in the games that you lost, I think the game that in Stillwater was a big, um, was just a big exclamation point. Even though it was a loss, uh, I think the game in Manhattan was a big, a good example of it too. Um, and it gives it's bright for the future, right? Like everyone, everyone is looking forward to the future, and, and I think that these games that we've mentioned. Um, all road games other than the Texas game uh, are just really, really huge indicators that this team is on the right track and the right hire was made. Um, Krishan Merriweather, huge game again, um, nine tackles. Adrian Fry, man, that was the first time I'd really seen a lot of Adrian Fry in a while, which is, is it was a welcome, it was a welcome sight. Um, seven tackles and a tackle for loss. Oh, I, I forgot to mention this. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the classy Iowa State fans. Fry, I don't know if anybody noticed this, but Fry kind of, he, it seemed like he got rolled up on, um, on one of the goal line stands. And for some reason, Iowa State's fans decided to boo him out of the building as he was limping off the field, which I thought that was just a fun little thing to, add in there but now that you brought up fry but he i do want to bring up he played a phenomenal game especially iowa state's receivers are making some crazy ass plays but he uh he was definitely really great when he needed to be uh yeah uh and i mean cyclone larry get your get your boys under control man uh but i will say uh, in terms of our defense, you know, we did pretty well um, kind of c- controlling their guys as best we could. Jalen Hutchings had half a sack. Um, Krishan Merriweather had the other half sack. Tony Bradford had a sack. Um, 
you know, it, it was just an all-around good effort from that front line, I felt like, at times. Um, I do want to mention, I, w- I would be remiss in not mentioning uh, something that I would just reiterate, and I've reiterated multiple times this season and last season. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson is going to play on Sundays, and he's going to be really damn good. Um, I think he'll be better in the pros than Alan Lazard is for Green Bay, and and that's and that's saying something. I think Xavier Hutchinson is just true, just a true, just all natural raw talent, and um, like I said, I I think that he will be huge uh, for whoever drafts him, and and whoever does draft him, they'll be lucky to have him. Um, you know, Dallas, if you're looking at a third or fourth round wide receiver pick, I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be upset. Um, also want to point out Josiah Pierre again. He had one and a half tackles for loss. He's been, man, he's been balling out ever since Tyree Wilson went down. And he was balling even when Tyree Wilson was still in there. Uh, Josiah Pierre is having a huge year and uh, his stock is going way up. Um Another person at the top of this list that's really that I want to touch on uh, for a little bit is is Kobe Miner. Kobe Miner has six tackles. Um, he's filling in for Malik Dunlap, who didn't play. And man, I tell you what, throwing a true throwing a freshman in there into the fire against a team, and pretty much there was a lot of the time where he was on Xavier Hutchinson. Um, Granted, I, I will. Hutchinson finished with eight catches for 101 yards, averaged 12.6 yards a catch. Uh, no touchdowns, though. And, um, you know, they're definitely a huge learning experience for Kobe Minor, but you could see the, the raw potential there um, when he's out at that corner position. Um, he, I imagine that he will uh, most likely have one of those spots sewn up because. Uh, you know, Malik Dunlap and Rayshad Williams are both in their COVID year, if I'm not mistaken. I know Rayshad Williams is, uh, but I think Malik Dunlap is as well. So I, I, I would be willing to bet that Kobe Miner has one of those corners spots with his name on it uh, after this year because he's already getting into big games like this. Um, you know, I, I also want to talk about um, – I want to talk about – Kind of our our uh, our linebackers, other other than Pierre Merriweather, you know, uh, Kosai Eldridge, um, Tyreek Matthews, all those guys, um, Jacob Rodriguez. If you remember, once upon a time at the beginning of this year, um, these linebackers were kind of an iffy uh, area for us. We we really didn't know what to expect. We thought our we thought our um, I guess we thought our uh, line and our DBs were going to be sound and solid, but we really didn't know about the linebackers. And, man, Kendall, these linebackers have stepped up all year, and um, it turns out that this has been one of the strongest position groups on this team, not just on defense but on offense. Like all the the groups combined, you know, the linebackers have been one of the uh, strongest points of this team this year. They really have. And I was like being there in person. I don't know. I posted where I was sitting. I was pretty close up there to the field. So I could kind of 
see, I got some good views of like what we were doing defensively because trust me, our defense was out there quite a bit. Um, they, our linebackers made so many plays that I didn't even think that they could, if that makes sense. Especially like that goal line stand does not happen without our linebacking group. They, like our defensive line, the push they were getting was phenomenal. But also, like, um, I think it was Pierre made that tackle for loss on the first goal line stand. And he did it. It looked almost single-handedly. Like, he was fantastic all game. And, you know, a lot of people did question, in general, where this defense would be at this season, where uh, our linebackers, we lost a lot of production from that unit, you know, I think that the way that they've responded, um, especially the entire defense too, like Texas Tech has gotten beat up on for so long about, you know, our defense's program. The mantra around us has always been they can score, but they can't stop any anybody from scoring. But now it's like our offense is starting to come around a little more consistently. You know, we're starting to average – I think Tech was between 30 and 40 points a game. Our defense is starting to, you know, make plays consistently every game. We're we're getting stops. They're keeping us in games. Once our offense truly gets it figured out, don't know if it's going to be this year, but once we get both of them to the level that we've seen, because we've seen so many spurts this year from both units that – shows and it's displayed like elite playing levels if we can get those both on the same track i we can very easily have like a tcu like season where we're competing for the big 12 and that just is enough to get me excited um the linebackers in general the past couple years has really been our defensive strength but this year especially you know we've had injuries on the defensive end. Um, but the one constant has been um, our linebackers. You know, our secondary has gotten burnt at times. Our defensive line has struggled to get pressure. But one thing we've been able to rely on all year is our linebackers. And, you know, they're an elite group. They're an elitely coached group. You can tell they're very well coached. And, um, you know, this week against Oklahoma in the bowl game, I think that, they're going to have some opportunities to make some statements. You know, we're probably, I haven't, I guess I didn't see what channel we're on against Oklahoma, but we're going to be it's on F- national it's television. Uh, these guys. FS1. Yeah. I think these guys are really going to be able to make a statement here. These last couple games and uh, possibly get their name out there, get a little more recognition. Cause you know, everyone's talked about Tyree Wilson, which he is elite. He's a top 10 pick. But I think there's a lot more than just one NFL player on this defense. I'd agree with that. Uh, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, I think that that's a pretty good segue. Um, Oklahoma. Uh, coming off a win in Bedlam against number 22, Oklahoma State. It's their second ranked win of the year. They beat Kansas when Kansas was still ranked. Uh, mid-October. 
if you put the stat sheet of these two teams, overall team stats beside each other, uh, it's eerily, eerily identical. Um, Tech scores 32 points a game. OU scores 31.5. Tech allows 27.8 points. OU allows 27.6 points. They average 454 yards a game. We average 447. Um, We throw the ball a little more. They run the ball a little more. Um, Defensively, they're a little more uh, porous, I would say. Uh, Right now, we're allowing 391 yards on defense per game. They're they're allowing 437. Um, Tech has won two in a row. I mean, obviously, OU has lost two out of their last three, um, losing to Baylor at home by a score of 38-35 to and losing at West Virginia 23-20 to before coming back to Norman and beating Oklahoma State 28-13. to um, The spread is two uh, in favor of o- Oklahoma. Um so Tech is two-point dogs, um, over under 64. Tyler Shuck will start this game, uh, according to Joey McGuire. And something that's been kind of thrown around in Tech circles this week is you heard so much in the offseason about how we had three guys that could be the starter. Well, all three guys will have started four games, uh, which is... Interesting, I think. Um, unfortunately, most of it's due to injury. Uh, but we're at um, we're at a, a and it, this is probably one of the more interesting OU games that as that Tech has played in in recent memory. Um, OU is having a really bad year in terms of Oklahoma football. Um, new coach. Um, they're six and five overall. They doesn't matter if they beat us or not. They will finish with a losing record in in the Big Twelve this year. They're only three and five in conference play. Um, Tech is six and five, four and four in conference. Tech has the opportunity not just to uh, finish seven and five on the year and five and four in conference, um, but Joey McGuire has a unique opportunity of being the first Texas Tech head coach to beat both Texas and Oklahoma in the same season. Uh, It has never happened. So here we are. It's there for the taking. Um, I can't tell you a better reason to get up for this game. Uh, 6.30 p.m. kick on FS1. Uh, It will be a nice balmy 45 degrees at kick with a nice little wind out of the north uh, in good old Lubbock. Um, I'll get to this game that OU played against uh, Oklahoma State, and the way that this happened is extremely interesting to me. Um, I turned it off after after they went up 28 to nothing. I, I figured that it was over, and it was, but... Um, they didn't score again after the first quarter. Uh, they scored 28 points in the first quarter. Um, 
very interestingly enough, it was pretty much all on um, just bad bad sequences by the Oklahoma State offense. Um, for those of you, you might have heard of the Oklahoma State quarterback. His name is Spencer Sanders. He's not very good. Uh, I, I've been preaching this for years now, and finally maybe um, enough bad games someone will – uh, hear me and say, yes, you know, Jack, you've been right this whole time because it's pretty accurate. Um, you know, Spencer Sanders finished uh, 36 of 67 with 380 yards, one touchdown, and four picks. Um, but anyway, uh, poor offensive stuff by uh, Oklahoma State. And when I say that, their their drives are punt, uh, three a three and out, um, an interception on the first play, uh, three and out by way of interception, and then another three and out, and then, I mean, two more picks. You know, it, it's just a terrible offensive performance. And to me, that's the thing that um, that Tech could do to separate themselves in this game. It's kind of almost uh, imitate your game plan against Texas, Right. Uh, you want to keep the ball away from these guys. And we've said it, and in most of the games where Tech has been successful this year, they've won the time of possession battle. I do not think there has been a game that we've won where we didn't win the time possession battle in conference play. Um, I, I, just w- I, mean, I just feel like that would be the best way to, uh, to, to win this. You know, control the ball for 35, 40 minutes and um, you know, run our offense in a, in a good way and uh, hand the ball off to the running backs and, you know, not even just that, hand the ball off to the running backs and, you know, let's use the tight end some. Um, Baylor Cup, you know, game-winning touchdown catch. Why don't you reward him? Why don't you give him some more uh, some more throws during the game? Um, Oklahoma is, you know, they're giving up 245 yards of pass they're giving up 191 yards on the ground per game. So I, I think, I mean, pick your poison at this rate. Um, you know, Kendall, what are you seeing from from this OU team? What are you seeing that Tech could probably do to, uh, you know, kind of set the tone in this one? And what is, what is like a matchup uh, that you're kind of looking at or something that Tech could utilize in order to, to bring this one home? This OU team is really like to me. It's really weird because, you know, from week to week, there's been weeks that they've looked like you know the OU that we're used to, you know, where they can dominate a game start to finish, and then there's also games like we saw them lose against West Virginia. We saw them get blanked by a Texas team that we have come to find out is average at best. Um, they got hammered by TCU. Uh, they beat, you know, a good. Uh, they beat Iowa State on the road um, last week. They beat Oklahoma State with Spencer Sanders, uh, but you know it's so hard to really evaluate them because you don't know what team you're going to play. Like 
it's just offensively, they have been, had some games where they've been phenomenal this year. Like against KU, um, I feel like there was only one or two possessions that they didn't score. Uh, you know, but they also have the game against Texas, which granted their quarterback was out, but still, um, at Oklahoma, if you're starting quarterback is out, you should still be able to put up more points than um, zero against a very uh, mediocre Texas defense. So I think that the Oklahoma and Tech are very similar in the sense that um, they're both best when they're running the football. Uh, I think that OU the games that they've ran the ball effectively have been the games that they've had the most success. I think that overall, um, it's a team that, you know, if they get hot, they're hard to stop no matter who your defense is. So I think that's something that we're really going to have to, you, we really want to jump out on top uh, early in this game. We can't let our defense get that slow start that we, uh, fell victim to, you know, early in the season. Hasn't happened as much late in the season, but uh, I think, you know, and now that we're finally starting to see uh, Tyler Shuck, finally, after two seasons, he's finally got, like, multiple games under his belt where he stayed healthy. Um, He started to get his feet under him a little bit. Uh, I'm pretty excited to see, you know, how – he plays in this last game. Uh, you know, hopefully our offense is at full strength. Uh, hopefully all our receivers are healthy because I don't think they've really been healthy all year. But, you know, this last game is kind of Tech's chance to make a statement before bowl season. You know, 7-5 and five to me looks a lot better than 6-6 six and six does. Um, six and six to me just looks like you just got into a bowl game. Seven and five, you know, kind of solidifies it. It kind of helps us get a better bowl game, possibly get a more fun matchup. You know, last year we got the Leech Bowl, which was fun, but also, you know, I want, I, for tech football, I want better than that. Um, I think that, you know, we can play much better teams than that. And I think I'm hoping we get the chance to this year. Um, I'm hoping we get to play someone that really challenges, um, you know, us as a team and helps us get better going into next season. And the way we start that is by making a good statement against OU. Um, you know, it sucks. I was kind of hoping OU would lose last week so we could be. Uh, the reason that they didn't get into a bowl game this year, but you know that that might just be me. But now you can thank Spencer Sanders for that. <laughs> yeah, which you can thank Spencer Sanders for the success of a lot of different Big Twelve teams. But I think to end the season beating OU and to finally have a year and what I most likely not, but could possibly be. The last season that OU and Texas are in the uh, in the conference, if we were able to send them both pack in in their last season in the Big Twelve, would be it'd be pretty nice to me. So, you know, I'm I just want to see us win at the end of the day, but it'd be nice to 
kind of win convincingly. You know, there are a lot of seniors that are that are going to be gone after this. Um, a lot of guys came back that really didn't have to. Um, and those are the guys that, you know, you're going to that you're going to miss. Right. Um, you're going to have two um, big time safeties back next year. You're losing uh, Muddy Waters, who's a huge he's a huge key on your uh, on your defense. But, you know, you're you're losing Krishan Merriweather. Um, most likely you're done with Rayshad Williams and Malik Dunlap. Um, this is Tyree Wilson's last home game, even though he's not playing. Um, there's there's a lot, you know. This is I I believe this is it for Tony Bradford and Jalen Hutchings. Also, um, just a lot of guys that have really been the identity of this defensive side of the ball for a long time, and um. It's it's going to be almost bittersweet to go to this game. I, I will be there on Saturday. Um, almost going to be kind of bittersweet to be at this game because these guys uh, could have left, uh, could have transferred out, gone somewhere. A lot of these guys are have a lot of you know recognition up. They probably could have gone somewhere just as big as Tech, if not bigger, and uh, you know gotten into the scheme of things on on defense uh, for whoever. Uh, but they decided to stay and, um, you know, cease and, you know, kind of, you know, play it out here. Um, and tech is better off for all these, the guys that are graduating this weekend. Um, and that's not just on the defensive side of the ball, you know, that's on the offensive side of the ball too. Um, if it, if it turns out that this is Tyler Shuck's last game in a red Raider uniform, you know, um, we've been better off because he's here. Um, if if the OU game is the last game that Roderick Thompson plays in a Red Raider uniform, you know uh, we we're better off for it. Um, there are a lot of guys that uh, have stuck around when they didn't have to, and um, I think that's what this weekend should really be focused on is um, is just how much that these guys mean to this program and. Um, just the total buy-in from these guys into Joey McGuire, right? Like, um, halfway through last year, or, you know, six games through last year, eight, it might have been eight games through last year, you know, um, you fire Matt Wells, and at what point are you thinking, well, shit, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, but you you waited out at Tech, and, you know, you you end up getting rewarded for that. Um you get to play under a great head coach and um, get to go bowling in the first year of a new head coach. Um, you have the chance to be the first team to beat Texas and Oklahoma in the same season. Um, that's pretty special. And if it happens, it's a pretty special year uh, for tech football. Probably one of the best that we've seen. Um, one of the best years of tech football that we've seen in quite some time, which, uh, you know, if we would have talked about that before the beginning, of the year, it would have been a little bit of unrealistic expectations, but that's where we are. And, um, you know, uh, all of us here at, at the hub, you know, we, we do want to wish the seniors nothing but the best. And, and we just want to again say thank you for sticking around and um, continuing to make this program what it is and uh, why it's so special. Um, 
Kendall, I want to talk to you about the um, I want to talk to you about the tech offense for a bit, and nothing, <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing bad, um, but you know, in this one, I'm kind of interested to uh, kind of see the game plan around this one, right? So um, it felt like over the last couple of weeks, you know, that Kitley's kind of leaned into running the ball a little more. And um, and it's been working pretty well. Uh, this is also, like I mentioned earlier, this is an OU defense that is allowing almost 200 yards on the ground per game. Um, so I, I you you have to think that that would be a pretty big, um, like a pretty big focal point of the game plan, wouldn't you think? I mean, yeah. We've been hoping that it would be a focal point of the game plan, I feel like, throughout this season. Um, and there's been times that it has, like, you know, KU, we were we finally got a good taste of running the football. And, you know, against ISU, could they have ran it more? Yes. But here's the thing. In that weather, um... The offense didn't get a lot going, and yes, I I do think that Taj and Schroeder both were running the ball really good, but also, um, I mean, our offense, if people didn't realize this for the most part, but we had little to no, you know, field advantage throughout the game last week. Um, I felt like just about every drive was starting inside the 10-yard line. Um, and I feel like one thing that Kitley was doing, um, which I didn't hate was he was just trying to, you know, I feel like he was trying to make a play happen when it just wasn't happening. Um, cause you saw they, they took, Chuck took quite a few shots down the field when we were inside our own 10 yard line and it resulted in a couple sacks, but overall I wasn't that upset with it I would have liked to see our running backs get the ball a little more but at the end of the day um a win's a win now this week we got we got to run it I mean we just we have to that's we have Taj Brooks Roderick Thompson Valdez has kind of showed some glimpses of what he can do and I think this is the game I'm hoping that we finally see just a full on running the ball down their throat, which, and that go, it strays. Everyone's known that Kitley is kind of like, he runs a moderate, like a modified type of air raid. And everyone kind of knew that, but also it is frustrating when we have the running backs we have, but at the same time, um, we still have one of the best, you know, as far as stats wise, we still have one of the better offenses in the conference. Um, we, it's, it's definitely had its inconsistencies, but I think I personally feel like Kitley's game plans with Shuck throughout this season have been better, definitely better than they were with Donovan. Um, him and Barron both, I think, have had, I think he game plans pretty well for him and Barron. Donovan, I just felt like we never really played to his strengths, but with Shuck and Morton, 
Um, we've played to their strengths a lot better. I think one thing that I've seen a lot of people frustrated with is um, how much we're running Tyler Shuck in general, which I get where it's coming from because, you know, he's been injury prone and it's, for, a li- it's for really me, risky. Yeah, for me at least, I think that's where uh, I don't think it'd be wrong to say that I'd say 85% of the people complaining about it are just, it's strictly because of him being injury prone and not really um, knowing what you're going to get from Donovan Smith behind him. Uh, You know, I just, I don't think any of us want to see Tyler Shutt get hurt again. Yeah. And I I actually do a hundred percent understand that, like that viewpoint, but also, um, one thing that a lot of people, I think, don't like get Tyler Shuck is sitting there. He's trying to show how versatile he is because let's. I I still see it. I still think he has uh pro potential. You know the way he's able. He he throws a pretty ball. Um, he's for the most part he's been a good decision maker. Um, and. Him showing off that mobility is kind of just another thing. And the injury risk is there. But at the same time, the injury risk is always there when he's when you're on the field uh, as a quarterback. It All it takes is one wrong hit, no matter where that comes from. And uh, I think at this point, we kind of just have to ride with it. You know, we've seen how they're going to call games with Shuck in there. They like him as a runner. He's an effective runner, and as frustrating as it might be, and how no matter how much we might cringe when we see Shuck get hit, uh, you know he wouldn't be out there, and they wouldn't be calling these types of plays if they didn't think he could handle it. Um, so I think right now, at least personally, as long as it's working, um. I guess I'm fine with it. It does. It still does scare me personally every time he does take off and run. But at the same time, I think he's been a lot better at protecting himself for the most part. And also, uh, I trust the coaches and trust Shuck. You know that he knows his body. So, you know, it's been a couple of weeks now where he's been running the ball at a pretty high rate. He's avoided injury. So I think. You know, it it reminds me a lot of uh, Tony Romo actually towards you know, I'd say twenty sixteen or twenty fourteen and beyond that. You know, I think every Cowboys fan that watched Romo cringed every time Romo took a shot, and I think that's kind of just the same thing that's happening here with uh, Tech fans and Chuck. No, yeah, I'd I'd agree with that definitely, and that kind of just gave me some PTSD. So I appreciate that. Um, we're going to move on to picks. Um, I think I do want to add. I, th- I think the big, uh, I think the big battle uh, in this one, uh, position wise, is going to be our linebackers uh, and their running backs. Uh, Eric Gray is a is a big time baller. You know, he transferred from Tennessee to Oklahoma last year. Um, Dylan Gabriel, everyone know, you know, the transfer from UCF, uh, reunited with Levy as he's calling plays. Uh, again, with him at OU as he was at UCF first season. Um, I think that the key in this one is definitely going to be 
um, can our linebackers get downfield enough to stop Eric Gray? Uh, you know, he's rushed for 1,200 yards already and 11 touchdowns this season. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is a pass threat. Um, he's thrown for almost 2,500 yards. Um, so their offense is pretty good. Uh, it's a typical OU offense. So if you give them the space and the room to score 50 points, you know, they're going to score 50 points. I think it's just a matter of uh, can you shut down Eric Gray and kind of make their make their offense one-dimensional. Um, with with that, I mean, you you always got to look out for Mims because Mims is, you know, uh, one of the better receivers in the country, in my opinion, as well. You could throw him in there with Hutchinson. I think I think Mims is going to be a playmaker on Sundays at, at uh, some point in his career. Um, but, Kendall, I'd like to get your pick. Um, again, the line is two in favor of Oklahoma. Uh, the over-under is 64. So, uh, how are you feeling about this one? Uh, like I said, I mentioned it's going to be a balmy 45 degrees. Uh, so, uh, how do you feel about this one? I mean, Tech's on a little bit of a win streak. Um you know, OU outside of that first quarter against Oklahoma State, they t- were trying to give away that game. So, you know, I like Tech in this. You know, we've talked about, you know, it's senior day. It's a big game just in general. Um, I like Tech. I think we're going to be able to move the ball D- defensively. We're going to need, you know, <sighs> this could be a shootout pretty easily. Uh, you know, no matter who's in, like, offensively, I think we're going to be able to move the ball. So I'm going to take a shot at this and just give the score of, you know, 45-42 Tech is going to be my prediction. So take the over is what you're saying. Um. I'm, I'm going to go do something similar. I, I, I actually do like Tech to win this game. Um, I, I think I think two points at home is, is pretty kind of almost like a pick them either way. Uh, I really do think Tech can pull this one out. I, I think that uh, if, if, if West Virginia was able to keep OU to 20 points um, – you know, if, if if Texas was able to hold this team to nothing, I know with the backup quarterback, but still, um, you know, it, it just it just gives me some sort of hope um, that this defense can play well for their last home game of the season. Um, I like Tech to win uh, in this one, and I like them to uh, I like them to win. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go 45 to 38, uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, Tech can round out their season with a win, push it to seven and five, and um, you know, get a get a win against OU and Texas for the first time in the same season. So uh, that'd be pretty nice uh, to end the season on a good note. Um, moving on, you know, uh, we're plugging right along. We're gonna move over to the hardwood. Uh, Texas Tech has played two games in Maui, uh, the Maui Invitational. Uh, game one on Monday, they lost 76-65 to 
against Creighton. Uh, number 10 Creighton, I should say. Uh, today, uh, bounced back with, um, I don't really know how else to say it, other than a, an old-fashioned uh, just ass-beating. Um, I really can't describe it any other way. Uh, beating Louisville by a score of 70 to 38. Um, 38 points, the lowest point total a Louisville team has scored in 41 years. One point above the all-time low of points scored in a game for the Maui Invitational for a team. Uh, Texas Tech held Louisville. Well, we'll get to the Louisville game. Uh, let's go. Let's start with the Creighton game. Um, leading Tech, Bacho had 17 points. Um, for Creighton, I guess Kaluma was the was the leader with 18. Creighton shoots 55% from the field, 45% from three. Um, Tech really didn't play bad um, turnover-wise. You know, Tech only had nine turnovers for the whole game. Creighton had 13. Uh, Creighton did out-rebound the Red Raiders uh, by uh, five. Uh, final totals, 33-28. to 28. Um, This first half was pretty neck-and-neck, neck, Kendall, and then the second half... Creighton just kind of upped the ante. They uh, they kind of found a gear that Tech, I don't think, really has just yet. Uh, this team's still, you know, very new to each other, kind of gelling in games. Um, again, we would be stupid to not mention the fact that Creighton is number 10 in the country, um, one of the better shooting teams in the country. Um, I want to know what you saw differently Um just from Texas Tech standpoint, first on defense, but uh, then going to offense, uh, just in the changes from the first half to the second half. Because, you know, at halftime, it's tied at 31. Uh, so uh, what did you see that kind of maybe caught your eye? Not not necessarily just something that Tech did wrong, but, you know, how Creighton was able to find that second gear that, uh, you know, really kind of put this game away. Uh, I honestly think I can just kind of attribute it to um, the halftime adjustments that Coach McDermott made for Creighton. Um, you know, the no middle, it is a defense that not many have cracked, you know, in the last five-ish years that Tech has been running it. Um, very few teams have been able to do what Creighton did. And the thing that I noticed in the second half, they were turning the ball over a lot in the first half, and that's because they were putting the ball on the ground a lot. They were trying to get into the paint and make plays by getting a foot in the paint, which is what Creighton does. You know, they are typically a team, you know, that you notice when they drive, they get a foot in the paint, kick out. That wasn't working for them. So what did they do? They went back to the drawing board, second half, a lot less dribbling from their guards, and it was just a lot of beautiful ball movement, if I'm being honest. The best way to beat a no-middle, there's two different ways. It's moving the ball without, you know, a ton of ball screens because that kind of can cause congestion, and that's when the no-middle is its most effective is when there's congestion, not good spacing. Creighton, the second half, had phenomenal spacing, they were moving the ball from side to side. They were getting it down to their big guy. He was kicking it out. 
Some wide open shots were found. That happens. You know, that that's what happens when you play a really good basketball team. Sometimes great offense just beats great defense. It's just that's how basketball works. Um, I don't think it was anything that Tech did wrong defensively. It was our normal no middle. Um, it's sometimes just hard when you can't create that havoc because a team decides to, you know, play so calm and so collective. And people are also kind of forgetting this Creighton team is very experienced. A lot of them have been playing with each other for multiple years. Now they know each other. This tech team hasn't been together very long. Takes time. Like Jack said, it takes time to gel. And I think that's just what we saw. We saw an experienced team versus a young team. And that, I mean, as much as I would like to say, you know, point out a lot of things that went wrong defensively because we're so used to the elite defense, there really just isn't that much to point out. It's, it is what it is at this point. But defensively, we saw today that this defense is still damn good. Like, that was a bad Louisville team today, but also, you know, the defense. You know, like John Rothstein said, it doesn't rest. You know, we're still going to keep plugging along defensively. That's fine. What I want to focus on now, though. Yeah, the offense is, the offense is, it's looking, at times it was pretty stagnant yesterday. So, uh, you know, uh, is it, is it off the ball screen? I think, I think I saw you tweet, you know, uh, a little better at off the ball screens, you know. I noticed for one during the game there wasn't a whole lot of movement from guys without the ball, uh, which is kind of a bad sign. Well, yeah, and we I can't remember the name of the assistant that we brought in for offense this Steve, summer. Uh, Steve Green. Yeah, he, Steve he, Green. Yeah, he used to be the coach. Yeah. At, um, it's not Lubbock Christian, but it's uh, shit. It's South Plains. South Plains College. Oh, Ju- it's it's yeah, Juco. They, yeah. So, um, Steve Green. You know, we had Coach Peary last season who was basically what people came to find out was he was the uh, essentially like kind of like an offensive coordinator. And that's kind of the role that Coach Green is in now. Um, people were saying that we were bringing in some sort of like kind of Golden State style offense, which it would that would be ideal. But what I've seen so far is nothing of the sorts. We have. When Davion Harmon has the ball, I see it. what seems like just we have one guy in each corner, a guy on the opposite wing, and there's no movement. There's no back. There's no backdoor cuts happening. There's no, you know, just off-ball screens to get our shooters open. And that's the thing that sucks because in our starting lineup alone, I would say, you know, we have four, maybe even all five guys can shoot the ba- shoot the ball, but we are not doing anything to get those shooters open because, you know, Pop Isaacs, he's shown that he's a great shooter, but also a lot of his shots have been, you know, contested, and he's still knocking them down. And Jalen Tyson, like, he is a phenomenal offensive player, but he's just getting no open looks. And he's created some off the dribble, but that's the only chance that he has to really get open looks right now, which is a problem because, you know, go go around and watch what Kansas has done the past couple of seasons. 
go look specifically last year to go watch what they did to get Ochai Abaji open all the time. They ran that dude around the court like it was nobody's business. They had him running off of screens, it running, you know, there was double screens off, off the backside. He, they did whatever they could to get him open. And I think tech right now, the, what I'm seeing, we just aren't, we have no motion off the ball. You know, it doesn't even seem like we're really running many set plays. It just kind of seems like we're almost going ISO ball and kind of relying on Davion Harmon to make a play right now. And it's not going to work come Big 12 time. It didn't work against Creighton. And even today at times, especially early, uh, that game was the first 10 minutes we probably should have been able to jump out to like a 20 to five lead. And we, it, they stuck around. And at one point, I think it was like 13, 11 before we decided to finally uh, break it open. But it offensively, it has to be better. And I know it takes time to gel. It'll take time to put things in, but it is a little worrying that we aren't seeing much off the ball movement because that was tech's biggest issue last year. And it's kind of looking like the same stuff from last season and it's worrying me a little bit, but I'm still going to give it time before I get too judgmental on it. I'm going to let us kind of get past Maui, you know, get into conference play. But once we hit conference play, if the offense is still looking like this, there's going to have to be a lot of different conversations. I agree. And, um, you know, kind of looking, uh, looking at today's game, as kind of a as a chaser to your shot, so to speak, um, you held. I'll I'll preface this with the fact Louisville is not very good. Louisville will probably finish last in the ACC. Um, God, I hope they win a game in conference. Um, I hope that they could beat someone i because right now maybe they challenge florida state maybe pit um but any anyone else i mean it's just not a very good team um tech today held louisville to 22 percent from the field um they shot 16 percent from three they turned the ball over 18 times Tech out rebounded them by 16. Final totals 45 to 29. Um, final score was 70 to 38. I um, I don't really know. I don't know if I've ever, to be honest, and I don't really want to harp on this too much because um, it wasn't that long ago that we were playing Louisville and Madison Square Garden, and it was a top 10 worthy matchup. And. Um, you know, it took some heroic stuff, and they were number one, and we beat them. Um, this one was not that game. Uh, Louisville has fallen quite uh, sharply from being number one in the country. Um, hell, they don't even have a win this year. They're 0-5. So um, I think that I think that this uh, I think that this game. Uh, can be characterized as kind of like just an ass with I mean, it's just 
Uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, you you were way better than the other team, and you proved it. Um, I, I, you know, they had they only made 11 field goals the whole game. Um, they were 13 of 21 from the line. Um, I, there's just not a lot to say. Uh, a, a lot of it is just bad offense, but a lot of it is a good defense, too. Um, and I think you saw a lot of that. Um, everyone got game time in this one. Lamar Washington got a ton of time off the bench. Uh, he had 23 minutes off the bench. And, uh, you know, Richard Jennings had 15 minutes off the bench. Um, but your starters each all had over 20 minutes of game time. Um, O'Banner had 15. Uh, Bacho had nine. Pop had five. Jalen Tyson had eight. And Davon Harmon had four. Um, Jennings off the bench had eight. Uh, Demarion Williams off the bench had ten. He was four, uh, five from the free throw line, two of four from deep. Um, he had half of our threes. Um, but, um, Kendall, I, I do want to touch on this. And, and, and what I want to touch on is, um, we, we had talked about, uh, you and I had talked about at least yesterday, uh, about how there really wasn't a whole lot of bench help, uh, from tech against Creighton. Um, this one, uh, <laughs> I don't really know how to say it was quite the opposite. Um, a lot of time for a lot of guys off the, uh, off the bench and, uh, it was really uh, it was really good to see some guys getting some run that you know might not get a lot uh, once conference play starts and getting them this kind of experience in Maui. Yeah, um, one guy I was really impressed by today was Robert Jennings. Uh, he, I don't know. So KJ Allen has kind of been our backup big of sorts so far that's not going to work in conference play he's just not tall enough you know he can play spurts as a small ball five but um i really don't think that we want to have him in there as a big man uh i think that what i saw today from lamar washington was really encouraging and that dude learning from Davion Harmon is going to be the biggest blessing from this season to me because he plays very similar to Harmon and learning a lot of those things that Harmon has learned over the years from his years at Oklahoma and his year at Oregon last year. Um, I think that Washington is going to be able to take a lot from this season. Uh, he's really physical. You know, he's a, he can rebound very well for a guard. Um, and if we can kind of start to get more bench production like that in more consistently, I think that we're going to see, um, overall just more consistent outputs from our team. Uh, cause yesterday the bench performance was pitiful, but also nobody got a lot of consistent time. And while Coach Adams is still figuring out, you know, these rotations and how he wants to do things, 
Um, we'll probably start to see more consistency in the rotations and start to see more consistency from our bench guys. But, um, you know, it was really nice to see some guys step up today, uh, especially like Robert Jennings, like I said already. He he really got after it. Um, he took advantage of the time he was getting. He made a statement. He was playing really physical down low. Um, that dude, if you told me that dude was a freshman and I didn't know it, I would not believe you. Um, he is a he's built, he's athletic, um, and he's only gonna get better. He's very raw right now, but I think by the time that dude's done at Texas Tech, he could be one of the guys that we talk about as one of the better players in program history. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that I think that there's a lot of potential in a lot of these young guys. Uh, you know, if some of them are willing to wait around a couple of years, I I, I truly think that uh, a lot of these guys had uh, just have a bright future. And, um, you know, since we've started, uh, I, I do want to mention Ohio State has gone ahead and uh, pretty much uh, put the beat down on Cincinnati. So we will play uh, Ohio State tomorrow. Um, anything that you know about Ohio State that you want to talk about and before you kind of get a prediction? Um, I mean, Ohio State looked really damn good against Cincy today. Uh, you know, they, Ohio State, especially, um, you know, the past, I've watched a lot of them the past couple seasons, you know, they lost a lot coming into this year. Um, they lost EJ Liddell, uh, who was one of the better players in the big 10, the past couple seasons. Um, but they're always physical, always really tough defensively, always make your life really miserable at times. Um, you know, it's going to be a battle. Uh, you know, we, it seems to me every time tech matches up with the big 10 team, it just, it's a great basketball game, but it's also one of the ugliest basketball games you'll ever watch. And it's because they play the same exact style. Um, if you don't believe me, just kind of go back, go back to the 2019 NCAA tournament, that Michigan game was hard on anyone's eyes until Tech finally took over. Um, that Final Four game against Michigan State, probably one of the tougher games to watch. Uh, 2020 in um, Vegas, they played Iowa, which you would think that, you know, an offensive team like Iowa um, would maybe possibly make the game, change the game up for Tech a little bit. No, it's still just a gritty game. Um, and this game is going to be no different. Uh, it's just going to, we're facing a tough nosed big 10 team. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked to see this game in the fifties. Um, and I'm actually kind of going to predict a score similar to that. I'm thinking we get like a 58, 55 kind of slow dog fight type of game out of this, uh, out of our last game in Maui. I think that's pretty that's pretty good and I, and I think this might be I agree with you in pretty much everything. I think this also might be one of those games like the first team to 60 wins. Uh just kind of adding on to what you said. It's it's going to be kind of a low scoring 
uh, kind of grit it out, tough it out type thing. And, you know, probably whichever team has the least amount of turnovers at the end of the day probably takes this one. Um, so uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wind down here. Uh, you know, we're right at about an hour in length. Um, thanks again for listening to us. You know, uh, we've been, we've, Kendall and I have been at it for uh, most of the day today. So um, we appreciate everyone that listens and continues to come back every week and listen to us talk about all this stuff. Um, if you see me, come find If you're at the game uh, on Saturday in Lubbock, come find me. Um, and we'll chat. Have a good time. Uh, so uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll put out – we'll have another episode next week probably, and uh, we'll get everyone uh, the recap for OU, and we're kind of going to get – we're getting to towards the heart of uh, basketball and we're, you know, we're getting towards conference play and uh, we'll probably know more about our bowl situation pretty soon as well. So uh, it's getting to the good point of the year, everyone. Uh, so hang in there and we'll, we're going to get there together. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Reckon Tech.